the only thing I could say is to just do it, right? Um, you just have to do it. And uh, whatever is your end goal, like the work has to be done no matter what. There's no shortcut. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to uh, Veil Media's Now You Know podcast. Uh, today, we have another pretty sweet guest. Uh, he's a former veteran for our country. Uh, he also happens to be a uh, relative of mine. He's an awesome uh, father and, and loving husband and uh, and a person with that, that carries some influence, whether he likes to acknowledge it or not, uh, within our community, um, especially the Polynesian community. Uh, please welcome to the show, Kim Lao. Kim, thanks for uh, being here, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Um, so I, I want your, to to kind of give you, uh, the, the listener, uh, an idea of Kimi. Kimi, you wear, you wear a lot of different hats, man. You're, uh, you're a father and husband, as mentioned earlier. You, uh, have experience in being in our military. Uh, so you're, you're a veteran. Uh, I know that recently you've, uh, started uh, a little company with your with your boys so you there's an entrepreneur in there too you're also pursuing a career in the medical field um you're 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 doing a lot of juggling um and uh with with all of that is what's when you look back is there a piece of advice that that has stuck with you that kind of maybe plugs into each aspect of your life um yeah i think Probably so because I'm uh, a little older. We so my wife and I uh, we're the same age. We have seven kids. I think probably one of the best advice that I have gotten from somebody was uh, to just focus on your journey, right? And it's easy to get distracted when you're in a low point where you feel you're at a low point. When we were at BYU with our four kids, and at the time our friends were purchasing homes or, you know, already pretty advanced in their careers, uh, it was discouraging. And we're happy for them, right? But just like, man, like, are we doing the right thing? Is this the path that we should be on? And so a bit of advice to me was like, man, your your journey is different from other, you know, everyone has different journeys and uh, you can't compare your, you know, your journey from somebody else's. Um, uh, so that probably the probably the best advice to me was like just just stay in your lane and do your best right yeah and don't worry about what everyone else is doing focus on what you're doing so i think that's awesome and i think and, and you touched on something that we'll we'll talk about in the future uh here in a little bit so um i the way that i kind of want to go about this i want to talk a little bit about your time in the military uh you mentioned you going uh to school with four kids um, and, uh, and then, uh, kind of what you're working on now, but before we even, uh, touch that, um, I'm, I'm wondering if we can touch on your, on your background. Um, you grew up here in Utah in, uh, the Glendale area, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of kid were you? Were you always ambitious? Did you know you were always going to have a big family? Um, good student. What, give us a glimpse of, of what Kimela was, you mean, in, in high school. Uh, so we grew up here in Glendale. My parents still live in the same house. They purchased in 1985. Uh, I went to Banyan Elementary, Glendale Junior High, graduated from East High School in 2001. Um, I was always the weird kid of my siblings. 
I'm the third oldest of six kids. Uh, we have three boys, three girls, it's just like the Brady Bunch. We go boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. Mm-hmm. And I was the one weird kid. Um, at a young age, I went to... So weird. I went to school. It was like a school for the gifted, but that's a weird way to put it. I None of us... I when You don't ever... That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I, I never felt gifted, so it was weird. But like, but so at a young age in elementary, when I was in second grade, my teacher recommended that I go and take this test. So I went and took this test with a bunch of other second graders, and then uh, I apparently I did well. So a smaller, a few weeks later, a smaller group of us took another test in a room. Apparently, we I did well. So I ended up from third through sixth grade. I went to a different school from my siblings. Uh, it was a, a f- all day, a full-time EOP class on the east side, far from where I was at. So from third grade, I was riding UTA buses to elementary school mm-hmm. and and on my way back. So from there, um, I chose to go to Glendale Middle School. I, was, I missed being like the odd one out. My siblings would be on summer break, and I was in school year-round, so I was going to school by myself. So junior high, decided to go. To my area, my local, you know, to Glendale with all of my friends. Um, then I went to East. For high school, uh, I think I could have done so much better uh, in school had I focused on more important things. But, uh, man, I just enjoyed <laughs> uh, playing football and hanging out with friends. Being like a kid, like anybody yeah. else, Just being a kid. Um, my senior year is when I joined the military. So in January of 2001 is where I swore the oath joining the military. I had not graduated yet. And funny story was I, it was my parents that signed me up to join the military. Uh, during the hoop it up, there was this basketball tournament, three on three that they used I to do. I remember here. those, yeah. So it's a little trick here for you listeners. <laughs> when, it, when the military sets up a little rock climbing wall, they have you fill out a little waiver, right, of... Uh, safety, yeah, it's not really a waiver. They because they get your age, your number, address, and all that. So if you're of their target group, that's what happens. So I filled it out so I could climb to the top. Oh yeah, ring the bell as fast as you can, whatever. Uh, from that, filling out that waiver, they ended up calling my parents and coming and giving my parents a visit. The recruiters came right to my house, uh, and at the time I was so so sick I couldn't even talk i remember just being on the couch laying down there couldn't even keep my eyes open and the recruiter just talked to my parents and said everything that they wanted to hear so they shook me and woke me up to sign papers and they (laughs) signed papers as well i was still i was only 17 so i ended up joining uh whatever so um so i joined uh swore and then i graduated in june and I had went to my unit in Ogden a couple times, but I kind of forgot that I was, like, actually in because I hadn't, like, drilled with my unit or, like, I didn't know much about what I what was my job or any of that. And then 9-11 happened. And then, so 9-11 happened. Right after that, my unit called me and said, hey, you need to go to boot camp right now and go do your do- job training and get trained so you can be, like, an active full member of this unit. So is that, so is, is that the process? So you... You signed up, you graduated, and then you just didn't hear from them, and then 
Do they call you or? So I think it was me. (laughs) I think it was me probably like just not going, I guess. But because I kind of fell through the cracks because I hadn't went to boot camp yet. So I wasn't like an official accountable soldier yet. But then after 9-11, they sent me to boot camp. I went to Fort Landowood, Missouri in the winter. Uh, So that sucked. Cause it was freezing, right? Jeez. Like I thought, I thought Utah was cold, but good night. When I mean, uh, winter out there in the Midwest is like no joke. Yeah. Below zero, you're out there in the what woods. What state is that? Uh, Kansas, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh yeah, or Kansas City, Fort Landwood, Missouri. So, uh, so I went to boot camp. The job that was selected for me, <laughs> um, was a was a difficult one. Uh, it was biomedical equipment repairman. Or or a biomed, biomed tech is what the military calls it. So, it's it's about a year long training in Texas on an Air Force base, and it's tri service. So Army, Air Force, and Navy, we all go to school together. And you were in the Army. I was in the Army, and it was uh, it was about ten months of learning how to fix all the equipment in a hospital, from dental chairs to uh, infant incubators, all the way to the more advanced stages was learning how to repair x-ray machines. So uh, it was a difficult job. It was a long school. As soon as I finished school, I came home, and I, this was near, this was in January 2003. Mm-hmm. And then my unit uh, was prepping to go to Iraq. So I got home. I was home for maybe a week and a half. And my unit was already in Colorado. So my bags didn't even get unpacked. From Texas, I came home, said hi to everyone, and went to went to Colorado to meet my unit. It was a pre-mob in, in Fort Carson, Colorado. And then we uh, got shipped to Iraq from there. So I was in Iraq for 14 months was my deployment. Um, it was supposed to just be like a three to six month deployment when we first got there. Once we had boots on the ground... The presidential order was was set out where all army soldiers were to have 12, 12 months in country. That was was going to be the length of our deployment. So I was there uh, until March two thousand and four. Did you just go overseas once, or so I went? Uh, my deployment. Uh, I only had one deployment in in Iraq. Um, I, as a part of training with my unit, I did go to Germany for a couple weeks. And that, that was cool. We were able to work with the hospital out there with their biomeds to see how they ran their operation. And then I did go in 06 to Egypt uh, called Operation Bright Star. And we went as to train other soldiers who would get deployed down, down okay. range, what they call it, in like a real-time desert environment, right? So we would help soldiers get there, unload their equipment, set up shop, run operations as they would if they were in Iraq, and then pack everything up, shut it all down, and take it back to port, just as if they were in Iraq. So how long how long was your time in the military from start to end? Start to finish was my contract was eight years. Eight from years. January oh one till January oh nine. What was uh what was the craziest experience you had while um man, so I had a lot and they were they were good uh I don't know, growth like opportunities of growth for me, right? Yeah. So um so I don't know. So like so going to boot camp was nuts cuz I f- didn't even feel like an adult, right? I was like young and you're just thrown in the mix uh 
so that was nuts. But I liked it because the physical part wasn't wasn't hard for me. I was I felt I was pretty fit, so that part wasn't bad. The drill sergeant yelling you is can be stressful, but for me, like I for Paulies, like you don't really you're good. You're like, <laughs> or you're not gonna hit me. You know, you can yell, but like I'm scared of my mom more than right. the drill sergeant. So like that that wasn't too bad. Um, so I I don't know of any like. Uh, Anything crazy, but I just well, had... I'm wondering because, like, so you joined literally right around the time of 9 11. Was there any, like, uh, I was in sixth grade, I think, when 9 yeah. 11 happened, and as a little sixth grader, you mean, I was pretty scared, yeah, even though it didn't really, you mean, affect my actual day to day life as a sixth grader, right, in Utah. Um, was there any fear about, you know, what I mean, just dealing with war and and uh, kind of something more on a national level that kind of seems bigger than any one individual, and, and you're literally being put on the front lines? Yeah. So I think, and for most soldiers there, it would seem pretty heavy burden to have, like, the responsibility of fighting for the, the country on your back or, you know, whatever it is. So, like, right. for me, because I don't know anybody, like, everybody, or, like, it seemed like a pretty heavy burden to bear, uh, instead, we you like fought or tried to whatever was your mission in Iraq uh you tried to survive for the people in your unit closest to you right it brought it down to like a more manageable stress right so like instead of like the whole country's depending on me like my battle buddy right here and on my left and on my right if I don't uh you know keep my section clear or whatever during a convoy then then they'll die so like at the moment, right now, my responsibility is this sector fire. I'm going to protect it so that he is safe because he's doing the same thing. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, that was that was probably like the the biggest thing for me was uh, was because you don't worry about or care about the politics or everything that's happening back home, right? You're just trying to survive for you and your battle buddies on either side of you. So like that part's real. And uh, so is it is it just happening in the moment? You don't really have time to think or because I, I to me, sometimes I wonder, you mean, like on 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 war movies, right? Yeah. That's all I have to go off of. Yeah. They always have. There's the guy who's like ready to die. Yeah. And he's banging his head on the side of, you mean, a helicopter or a tank or something. Yeah. And then you got there's always, you mean, someone who's not even prepared and they're kind of yeah. like. I mean, what did I get myself into? And then, yep. you mean, all the in-betweens. Does that exist? Or when you're going, you're like, it's a, it's a all about business and maybe not as dramatic as... No, so I, it, does, it does exist. You do have a full spectrum of the different types of soldiers. And I was, I, I would say I was lucky that I went as a young, single soldier with nothing, you know. It, I'm sure it would have been different had I, or even if I go again, like, the potential to, for me to join again is still there. Like, I still want to get back in and be an officer. Um, so, like, when I when we went, I was a young soldier. No, Nobody depended on me. I didn't have a wife and kids, nothing. So I didn't really care. I was that, like, young, reckless, let's go, yeah. you know. And I was glad that that was the case because I could focus hard on what was the mission at the right. time. So, But I did have some... Some other soldiers who had those other weights and responsibilities, right? And I don't think it affected them as much like during the moment when, you know, things are happening because uh, you train, train, train so that you don't have to think, right? So like the training just comes second nature. But um, 
there, there. So an example of how I, I was that guy was when the limited space or opportunity to come back home in the States for R&R, for like your rest and relaxation, to see your family, came around. Not everybody could go because there was only a limited amount of space. So I volunteered along with my friend Arez, uh, my Filipino buddy who lives in Cali now. We were both single, young, didn't have anything, so we passed up those our spots okay. to other soldiers who were married and had kids to let them come home, right? So... I was gone for the whole over a year, solid, and never came home when other soldiers did come home for two weeks to get kind of a recharge. Um, I think it would have been hard for me if I would have came home to get back on the plane <laughs> and head back into like the desert. So, but And it was all good, like I said, because I didn't have anything back home. But my mom was kind of pissed when she heard, like, I'm sure you, you could have came home? What? You know, and I was like, man, I'm sorry. Like, Sergeant so-and-so has like three kids and he just, the wife gave birth to a kid that he's never seen. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of how that went. Is there anything that, that you took away from, from your time in the military that you pass on to your kids? Um, yeah. So the biggest thing is you can, is th- that I learned is that you can do hard things. That was like the first time I got the lesson that, that we can do hard things, right? In boot camp. I'm not a runner. Uh, as a running back, right, like, I ran a short distance to score a touchdown. But, like, it was never fun <laughs> for me. Like, I don't get, like, cross-country runners, right? Like, that's not even fun to me to run until you lure so many times and you just keep, and they're like, yeah, I, I ran, you know, 10 miles and I hit that wall and I just pushed through it. Bro, that's not, that doesn't <laughs> sound fun to me, right? So when we're in the Army, you don't have a choice. You have to run. And if you fall out, meaning like if you are unable to, a certain amount of times if you fall out of the run, then you either get recycled or like when I was in airborne school. So I went to airborne school, uh, learned how to jump out of airplanes with a parachute. And that's rough. You run like minimum five miles a day, right? So like, and I'm not a runner, but these short, uh, stubby, thick, <laughs> poly <laughs> legs are for like power, right? They're not like long distance running so when we would run and then i'm like bro i can't there's no way i'm gonna make it up that hill and you do somehow you push through it and you get to the top and you're like bro, I freaking i can't believe i bro we did that and then you look and the drill sergeant's like yeah uh that's cute there's seven more of those that we have to do you know <laughs> so like the not quitting when you want to quit was something that i took from the military right like you want to you want to be done but then you uh, when you make it be more than about yourself, right? So I would look down on my uniform like, frick, I uh, have Lao on my uniform. I'm carrying my family. Like, this represents them or U.S. Army. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you make it bigger than just you, you know, then it, for me, at least, it let me, like, it gave me strength to push. Like, man, if nobody, you know, if it was just me, I was just running by myself. I would have stopped and just started walking. But it it isn't. It was more, right? If I failed... Then it would, I would feel that my, I let my family down, right? But the switch, like the flip side is if I succeed and I do well at this, then like everybody, like my cousins that, that know me, like, man, my cousin did that, you know, like, so, so I guess the biggest thing I took away from the army is like, we can do hard things to not quit. Um, the runs, the, like the road marches, all those difficult things, they were hard. They were different. It was a new thing. Learning how to shoot, all that stuff was hard. But um, 
but you did it, right? You didn't quit. You did it. And people who are close to you in your circle were so proud of you for those things. And I think that that aspect of Polynesian culture, like, pushes you to become a good soldier. Uh, like, the desire to make your family proud, right? right? Or the fear of, of making them disappointed in you if you quit or fail, right? So, yeah. like, I think those things definitely made me, like, better soldier right. right so my culture absolutely like helped push me when i was like man i'm done that's good yeah what about um what about uh like a civilian society yeah in in working with veterans what's the best thing in your opinion that we could do uh as you know, I mean me as a civilian and and the society yeah yeah man so i'm probably not the best person to ask Cause I don't even Veterans Day. Um, I'm so proud that I'm a veteran. Like I'm so proud that I had the opportunity to serve, and I'm so proud of the other like brave young and uh, men and women who served, who I served with. I'm so right. proud of them. To me, they're heroes, and I don't even feel worthy to call myself a veteran on Veterans Day because I don't feel I did anything worth anything. Um, except serve alongside these other braver people who I had the honor to serve with, right? So yeah. whenever someone says, like, thank you for your service, or, like, I don't, I'm so awkward, I don't even know what to say, and they're like, thank you, and I'm like, um, thank you for thanking me. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say, because I just, and perhaps it's culture again, we don't know how to take compliments, I don't even know what to say. Um, very, very humbly, I thank them back without being awkward for like recognizing right so like just when somebody stops I, I remember when we were coming home from Iraq we first touched down in a city called Bangor Maine and it was the first time we had been in the country for some of us like me who didn't come home for over a year right there was 13 going on 14 months since we had touched American soil so we were so so stoked just to be an American uh in America again so we were at a Italian restaurant in the airport and when it came time for us to pay our bill, someone already paid it. Like, that was so dope. So I'm not saying go out and pay for veterans, you know, because who knows? <laughs> but, like, it was huge. So, like, the gratitude that when someone's like, thank you for your service, like, I understand what it means. Like, because when I see a World War II vet or Vietnam-era vet, I, even though I'm a veteran, I absolutely thank them every time. Because for me, when they joined, it was crazier, yeah. right, than when I joined. So... That's all. No, that's awesome. I wanna. So, so you get home. How old are you when you get home? How old are, was I? Or when you're when you're done with your military time, you're now. So, so I came home. I was in the reserves. I was in a reserve unit in Ogden. I still stayed with the unit. We continued to train, and uh, my buddies who I actually deployed with, they went again to a couple more deployments. Um, I didn't go. I didn't have to go. Uh, one of them quickly after we returned home was uh, Qatar, still in the Middle East. Um, it wasn't a combat zone where you had to like carry your weapon or worry ever about getting shot at, but they got deployed again. The majority of our group were still single, no you know, dependents. I had already started to date my wife, and we were uh, approaching getting married, right? Nice. So I sat that one out got married, had kids, and was still in. And then this was kind of the transition of when I decided to go back to school. So I was right. working at FedEx as a delivery driver, 
And one of my coworkers was like, hey, my son's in the Navy. Um, are you using a GI Bill? And I was like, I, I'm not. I don't even know what that, you know, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't really a reason why I joined for the benefits. Uh, so I'll, so he was like, you should talk to somebody. So I went and talked. Well, so I called T. Kinikini, who was an advisor at the University of Utah. And, and he was like, yeah, c- come over here. Come to my office. Let's talk. So he come, uh, I go over there. He walks me through the FAFSA process, uh, process through application. I do all that. And then my aunt Latu, Muli's right. wife, she was an advisor at Slick. And she was like, you know, you can do all of that here at Slick um, in like a, a smaller classroom setting. You know, she was just telling me like the perks of going to Slick first instead of like starting right at the university. And plus the Slick's VA was an awesome, and they still are, awesome office. So I went down to the Slick uh, VA office downstairs in Taylorsville, and they lined up everything for me. Got got the GI Bill going, and I had gotten accepted. So anyway, so I started at Slick. At how old? Um, man, I think I was 24 or 25. You have any kids at this time? We had three kids. Nice. All year apart. Um which was rough. You know, it was, it's rough. <laughs> so, uh, so we started going slick. Initially, the intent was go to nursing school. So I, we're living in Glendale, going to school full-time, working full-time at FedEx, trying to do all of that. Um, I was a young man president at the time. Shortly afterwards, I was released, which, and I was stoked because that, that's a tough call. Yeah. I was like, uh, man, now I can focus on school a little bit more. Uh, then I was called immediately into the be a counselor in the bishopric. <laughs> so uh, it's funny; it was l- even less time to yeah. <laughs> to work. So well, that's uh, how how do you balance all that? Because in my mind, when you're when you're going through this list, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just what well, there's only 24 hours in a <laughs> yeah. day. You're working a full time job plus yeah. school full time, and if you need to, uh, I, I kind of. Already know some of the answers is my little family's going through the same thing. My wife yeah. is going to school full time. But um I mean what what's your, I guess what's your advice to someone who's who's also yeah. facing the same thing, right? They're they're juggling, look, there's there's something that I think is will be will benefit our future right. as a family. Uh however I have to deal with the practical side of reality right. and make ends meet. Right. I mean today What's your advice to that person who's who finds himself in in a situation where they're like, "This is this is what I want." Yeah. Here's where I am. How do I juggle it? So if I so if I could have done it all over again, I would have went to school right when I got back from Iraq, pre everything, right? Um, like if I could have, my wife and I would have just got married and then purchased a home first, and then started school if we could. Then because um, it's so difficult when you're adding more pieces to the puzzle, right? Kids and work and everything, it's so much more difficult. So um, the only thing I could say is to just do it, right? Um, You just have to do it. And uh, whatever is your end goal, like the work has to be done no matter what. There's no shortcut. And so for us, because there's more, like we're just grinding. And for me, it seems so slow and we're not getting the, reaching our goals in the time that I wish that we could, but we're, but we just have to look back every now and again to see that there is progress being made. Right. Otherwise you'll be discouraged. And, um, so I would just, the way we did it, it was, 
um, I just had a, I have an awesome wife who I know holds down the fort, right? So like when I'm at school or I'm at work, I just focus on those, right? So when I'm at school, I can just focus on school because I know that that my wife and is taking care of, right? My kids are fed and bathed and she's teaching them and all that, right? So when I come home, I, I, my responsibility is to try to, she did so fantastic while I was gone and she needs a break now. So I will come home and try to, and put a pause on all of that and focus my time on my kids and my wife when I'm there. Um, so she can take a mental break, right, sure. and leave and go grocery shopping because that's the only time when she has a short window that's of somebody not calling, yeah. Mama, this, this, right? Because even when I'm home sitting there, they're all like, Mom, make me this. And she'll walk in and see me right there like, oh, <laughs> uh, you, you want to ask this guy? He's right here too. So, uh, so man, it's absolutely, for us, it was has been and always uh, have to recognize I couldn't have done it. We couldn't be where we're at without my wife, right? So, like, without, like, a partnership. So, um, which is, like, when we graduated from BYU, and I always refer to all of everything as a we, right? And, because I couldn't have done it without her, right? So, like, when we graduated and I put her name on the, on the diploma, I don't know if I'm getting trouble for that, but uh, I didn't tell her anything. So, when she came to the, the ceremony and she saw it in the program, she just started bawling, but, like, I legit couldn't have, and I still will never be like, I graduated blah 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 because like none of that is true like there's so many people that so i will never say i it, it will always be a we right so and even when i was talking with one of my neighbors and i was like oh yeah we, we've just finished from byu last year and she was like uh like we like you you and your wife both went to school and both and i was like well i went to school but i couldn't have done it without her and she kind of was like oh that's annoying. <laughs> I was like, well, sorry. That's how I feel. So I always refer to it like that path and that those accomplishments as a we. Cause I think it's important to, to, to point that out. I was going to ask about, you mean, your wife's role in terms of supporting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you mentioned earlier that she was, you guys uh, had at least a relationship in the military, right? Yeah. yeah. Even before you're married. And then it... Um, you know, she seems like she's always been really supportive yeah. behind behind everything. What do what do you say? Um, or what about what about uh, uh, how many kids did you have at when you were at BYU when you had at the max? So we had four. Uh, we were at BYU for two years. So so uh, real quick. So we graduated from Slick. We were trying to get into nursing, but at the time, the nursing program had a two year wait. So we just applied to other schools and said, let's just keep going to school while we're in the school mode. And we got accepted into a few schools and we chose BYU Provo. So we went there in the meantime until my name would get called for the nursing program at Slick, which seems kind of like uh, counterproductive now. Like as I'm saying it, like go to a four-year institution with your associates waiting for the other school for the nursing program to just go back and get your another associates in nursing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh -huh. which is why we changed up when we were at BYU, decided to go the pre-med route, change my major from sociology into biology. And then, so now instead of the pre-med route, we're trying to go into PA school. But Great. so while we were at BYU, we had four kids. Um, and we, man, I, we struggled. I struggled to, 
to was there, was there support unex, unexpected support right because you know that your your wife is uh, is the ride or die did you ever receive any kind of unexpected support in you pursuing your schooling and yeah so often often we did um people in our little neighborhood in Wymount where we live all all student families that are struggling uh i wish there was like a housing that we could develop for students who have families where it was like free or something because we struggled but like every now and again somebody would knock on our door and leave bags of food or like someone you know like they knew that food stamps can't buy uh laundry detergent so like a coupon or a friend of ours or whoever we don't even know who would knock on the door drop detergent or you know other stuff shampoo conditioner we knew it was like shampoo like coupon stuff but um we don't know which uh who who was they would just knock on the door and run or like envelopes of cash like real like real talk this would happen to us while we were there somebody would knock on the door and leave an envelope of two hundred dollars and say uh don't give up like keep keep going or whatever you know so uh, so that happened while we were at Provo as well. Um, we took uh, we took a a break, and we had more kids, <laughs> and then went back to school. and And that was a difficult that was a very difficult decision, right? I got hired on at Delta, which is a fantastic job, but like uh, we weren't finished with school yet, right? Like our goal had not been reached; it still hasn't fully been reached, right? But to to leave school like a life of that poverty life of, of school right. life sucks to leave it to go back to to work into the workforce and then to make the conscious dis- decision to go back to jump back into poverty you know is a hard hard decision like okay we're almost there we're going to have to go back into school to finish which means cutting back hours from work which means less money and less time with wife and kids because it'll be spent in the library, right? All right. of those are are hard decisions to make. But with my wife saying, well, what, what's our end result? Like, we'll staying here. Uh, will you ever become a PA or a doctor <laughs> if you stay this route or no? If the answer is no, then what's, what will get us there? Here, okay, if that requires us to jump back into poverty... <laughs> Then do it, you know, then then do it. So we, like, went back, cut back on hours, cut back on this. Like, so for a while, I was working security, graveyard shift, and Delta during the day. And whatever gaps I had in between was uh, school. So, and that's how we finished our last two semesters at BYU was, I was working two jobs and going to school full-time, just scraping by. But um, we did it, so... Uh, again, it goes back to like the just you just gotta grind it out. Like the price has to be paid, and yeah. we can do hard things. So, I think uh, that's a that kind of dovetails nicely into recently you've uh, uh, you you started a, a little landscaping company with your with your boys, and yeah. it's called the uh, LBL or Lau Lau Brothers Lawn 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 Mowing or Lawn Care or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Because well, how how old are your boys that you do this with? I think this is really cool because yeah. um, it's a business for sure. Um, but I think uh, I've had conversations with you, and if you follow you on social media, yeah, um, you 
you can quickly tell that there's um like a fatherly element, you know, yeah. that seems to be deeply rooted or more important yeah. in you doing this project with your boys. Yeah. Um, so tell us about how that started and then where where maybe what you want your boys to take out yeah. of it. So it started three years ago when my first son started playing football to help pay for his his football fees, right? So then as the second son joined and then even the third, like that's a lot of money of fees to pay for, right? So yeah. uh, it first was a, a way for them to earn their own money to pay for their own fees. And the reason why I thought that that was beneficial was because if you pay for something yourself, it means more, right? And I saw this the second year that we were doing this. Um, they mow lawns every, every summer and everyone is so kind and so generous to my boys that they're always able to reach their goal uh, within a couple weeks, right? So we'll get the money. Let's say the goal is for each of them to earn $200 to pay for their fees. They reach that goal. They pay for their own fees. Um, the second year we did it, my second son, he had a kind of a tough year and they didn't win any games. <laughs> uh, but he didn't want to quit midway through the season because he paid for the, he for out of his own mouth, he's like, man, but I paid, you know, he's like, that's valuable. Uh, yeah, because he was like, I could quit and just like, this season sucks. Our team, we're having a hard, you know, hard time here. The coaches are, you know, whatever it is, whatever issues he was facing, he was just wanted to throw in the towel. And it would have been easy to do that because it was a rough go. But his own words was like, man, but I paid for this. Like this was, we mowed lawns in the heat to to come up with this money to pay for it. So he didn't quit, right? That, that even taught me a lesson of like, man, if you, that's sweat equity, you put in that work yourself, right. then, then it means more to you, right? So when my third son was of age to play, then this, this was something that I wanted him to learn as well. Hard work and, uh, you know, if you want something to work for it. Um, with the introduction of, you know, with the pandemic, uh, the seasons were postponed and even canceled. Rugby season got canceled for us. So... We first started to mow lawns for my sons to earn the money f- for them to play sports. Uh, to play sports, but but because of how everything played out, it didn't happen. So then they were like, "Well, then what?" And I'm like, "Well, what do you guys want to do?" And they're like, "Well, I want a new bike." And I was like, "Go mow a lawn then. Like you guys have saved up enough to purchase your own." So then it became an opportunity to teach them money management, right? So, awesome. Which I didn't have growing up. Not to say that I wasn't taught how to manage my money, but just like, if you can teach them earlier, why not, right? So like my, my eight-year-old son was learning uh, when he would mow a couple lawns to buy a bike, but like if he wanted to get a really nice bike, he would have to wait. And so that's the the, the delayed gratification that sure. we're kind of teaching them like, hey, I could get this $50 Huffy bike, or if I wait a little bit longer, we mow a couple lawns, I could get that diamond back for 130. Like, so on their own, I let them make their own mistakes and purchase things maybe that they I wouldn't have, uh, so that they can see like, man, the following week they wanted to buy something, but they didn't have enough because they bought these stupid shoes that were so ugly and they don't even wear. <laughs> so like that, which is okay, right? They they need to go through this process to see like, man, okay, I made the mistake. Maybe I, I overpaid this and now I can't get this, what I really want. We'll try again. Next week we'll mow a couple more lawns and sit on it. So 
we can, you know, get what we want instead. So that, that's kind of what uh, it went from like, from like earning the money for, to put towards this to now because that was delayed, they're earning money to reach all these other little goals to buy a bike, to get a yeah. bike for their sister, to buy a trampoline or, you know. So which they've done. If you follow your social done. media, right. they've, so they've all got those a things. basketball hoop. They've gotten things all on their own. And it's all their money. Um, I don't ever like restrict them. I just like will point them in a direction like, man, that's probably not a good idea to get this, but it's, it's all up to you. Um, so, so valuable though for the kids. So they're learn. all learning that, right? So which then like, so the next thing that that has transitioned to is all the time that we're in the vehicle together, right? So then... This is the teaching moments between a father and a son where we discuss heavy, heavy topics, right? And never intentional. We're just driving. Yeah. And then with the protests that are coming up, right? We have discussed in depth the Black Lives Matter uh, movement or or other like heavy topics that yeah. typically an 8 or a 10-year-old or my son's 13 uh, who better to have these conversations with than with their dad, right? right? So, like, I love having these conversations in between while I'm dropping them off at houses or while we're at a gas station fueling up. These heavy topics come up, and I'm so grateful that we're able to discuss these things uh, in, in the Yate truck with me, right? Like, yeah. in a more controlled environment. So, that that that's where it is now. That's where we... Uh, what I absolutely enjoy because soon they're not going to want to be kicking it with me. <laughs> you know, like they'll have a choice later. Right now they don't. I'm like, hey, boys, wake up. Let's go. We have six <laughs> houses. But like uh, it's not, you know, in a little bit, my 13-year-old, he turns 14 in October. So in two years, he'll be driving. Uh, my time with him is so limited to to have these conversations with him because then in another two years, he's going to be on his mission and right. gone. And then what what have I done? What impact is he prepared to to be out in the world? Can he think critically through these difficult topics and discussions? Like, can he do that? You know. Yeah. So all of that happens now in the in the yate truck. Dude, I'm a firm believer of that. I think I think while it's important to have uh, maybe more organized type uh, discussions, right. maybe in like a family meeting, like, yeah. hey, we're going to discuss topic A, B, and C. You mean, and it's a little bit more formal. Right. At least in my own experience, it seems like the more impactful lessons you learn just happen within the transition of life, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just driving with my dad in a truck, and, hey, dad, what about this? And, yeah. And, and then something, you know what I mean, then 45 minutes later, you know what I mean, you're you're in a better place yeah. on, on all different levels as a yeah. relationship, as a bond, and then right. even in your understanding with whatever topic is at hand. Um, I think uh, you brought up two things that I think uh, are are valuable. Then we can wrap up. But the first one is um, in in referring to your children. Like there's a there's a practical side to what you're what I think you're doing that will help them. Right there, you mean work ethic, of course, um, setting goals and and accomplishing it. But even uh, even what uh, you you were just telling me, you started with one lawnmower. That didn't even have a bag, yeah. And uh, and just a, a few years later, you have a trailer and and uh, with uh, how many lawnmowers? You have in? three, three self-propelled mowers. They're so nice. My boys love them. <laughs> <laughs> the first one wasn't self-propelled. No, not even just oh. a push. And we didn't have a weed whacker. We had to borrow that from my dad. And so now, 
their their equipment, you know, is a pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> now and they're such good workers, so now they can like hop out and all three of them know exactly what to, to do, where to start, you know, who does what. So when my son is 16, he can just on his own drive in a pickup truck with his two brothers and go knock out homes. If they want to go to the football game or watch a movie with their friends, they already know that, okay, if I hit up these couple houses and do this, I'll have enough to do that, you know, what I want to do. Well, on, on, like I said, more of a practical level, that's so... Uh, Neat and uh, and awesome that that your boys are exposed to you know what I mean. Yeah. Essentially, a business growing year over year, right? right. Like, and uh, you know what I mean. Those those same principles will be they'll be able to plug in later on. I think, and then on maybe a more important and sentimental level, it's uh, time that they get to spend. You mean with with their dad, you and, yeah, and uh, you mean creating quality time. You mentioned it earlier about when you came home from school and and your wife would be you mean holding down the fort it was your job then to leave school at school and you know be yeah yeah you legit have to take one hat off put the next one on and uh because they need right they need you right there's nothing else more important so and and sometimes often my schooling would would pay the price right you only have 24 hours so like what is it going to go? It's all about time management. Yeah. For me, I'm not going to sacrifice. I mean, and everyone's different, right? There's And there's so many people that are so successful that will say otherwise. But for me, I'm not going to sacrifice my time with my kids for time studying, right? I mean, I know it's so important, but like, if if anything, it's going to be my own personal time. Usually sleep, right, will be the, the chunk of the pie that gets... Uh, sacrifice. It's not going to be the time with my wife and kids, right? Like that. That's gonna. That's a given, and that takes precedence over everything. So if I have to stay up from one o'clock to four o'clock in the morning to study, then from one to four I'm studying, and then I have to get up at six to go to work. Like if that's the way it has to be, then that's the way it has to be. And then you just go back to the old days and think we can do hard things. I've been sleep deprived before and completed tasks. That has to happen again now, but like I'm not gonna uh, sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? I don't, yeah. I'm not gonna miss out on something that my kid feels is important because I failed to prepare for this test. So I'm not gonna go to my daughter's recital because I have a test at this time. Like I should have prepared better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. When you well, I guess I, I will wrap up with this question, but before I also want to plug uh, you your your social media handle on Instagram. Well, Facebook is keeping it loud, but like I'm I'm more plugging the Lau Brothers Lawn Care. Uh, if you're listening and you want to support um, these uh, these boys and their entrepreneurial efforts, I think it's it's bigger than than just cutting grass. I think we're developing future leaders in in uh, in our local Utah community. So. Uh, follow Kime on uh, on his social media handle Kime Lao, right? Just yeah. on Instagram. So uh, pretty straightforward. the uh, The last question is: When you look back, you've had uh, an interesting. You, you, your kids have a lot to to talk about, right? When yeah. it comes to, well, this is what my dad did. You had the military experience. You went to school with a full on family, um, and you and you're pursuing you mean medicine. Uh, and then you also make time to start um, a business with your with your boys. Um, when you consider all of that, 
What are you most grateful for? Man, so it's just always goes back to uh, time with my family. And so that's what I'm most grateful for. And actually, uh, all of our goals that we're trying to do or trying to reach points back to time with family. So the the goals of school and our eventual career field, right, all of that is to allow us to live a lifestyle where we're with each other more. Um, whenever we are having a rough day or are stressed or whatever's happening, for us, for me and my wife, and I'm, I'm so blessed that I found someone who's down to just pack up, jump in a van, and drive up the mountains because we do that often. Uh, whenever we just need to unplug, we'll go up to Little Cottonwood Canyon. There's no cell service up there. We will just bring a stack of wood and have dinner up there in the mountains, right? So, like, what I'm most proud of is my relationship with my wife and my kids. Um, I hope that they know that they are, like, every everything to me. And everything that we're trying to do, right, is for their benefit and for them and to allow us all to have more time with each other. So that's that's probably, you know, what I'm most proud of. Like, if you were to ask my kids... Uh, their opinion, right? Their honest opinion, or my wife. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they would say that they enjoy their time with, uh, with me in the yacht truck. Maybe, maybe some of the days are long and hard <laughs> and hot, but in like the big picture, I think they enjoy because we have fun too. So uh, that's probably what what I'll be most proud of is like the relationship with my wife and my kids through all of this. Well, give me a lot. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Appreciate it.